With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average garage door is made up of 1.3 millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know? A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny. This is not part of the initial weekly show. Uh, we had a bit of an issue with the start of the recording. Uh, so what you're going to hear is Adam Sutton come in mid-sentence, uh, but you only missed about the first 10 seconds or so. Uh, it was just the host going on about something stupid in the intro as ever. Uh, but yeah, sorry about that. Uh, but here's the start of the podcast as we start recording. I hope you enjoy. It's just so unexpected that he was just going to, especially on his right foot, actually. Um, but yeah, it was it was incredible, but... As you said, I've been watching that goal on repeat, but not much else from uh, from the evening. It wasn't yeah. much else watchable after that, but yeah, fantastic yeah. goal. Yeah, we'll get into that game and that goal in a little bit more detail uh, later on. Of course, we'll have a chat about the Newcastle match as well, which is certainly a very big game after the draw last night. Um, and we can go back into the top four with a win there against... Let's be honest, a, a pretty rotten Newcastle side. But uh, just before we start, some very briefly, some transfer news today, lads. Uh, Yannick Pulaski has gone to Middlesbrough. Um, just very quick thoughts on that. Um, I'll come to you first, Alan. I, I, personally, I'm just happy for him, having worked so hard to get fit again and having not played hardly any football for the best part of you know two years. And I think working so hard to get back from that serious injury wouldn't have been an easy effort for him. And it was just quite insane to, to see him not really playing competitive football. So just hope it works out for him really more than anything. 
Yeah, totally. I think that, you know, like he was a player who was very exciting on his day. And when he initially came, I thought that he was really going to be to do something for us, basically. But he just never really did with injuries and stuff. Um, and we all saw the videos on Twitter of him training and the garden, that kind of thing. Um, but I just think, to be honest, like I wish him well, of course, like, but I kind of feel like he was the the poster boy of that period of excess, you know, the big money signings for players who weren't worth that much money by any stretch. And I think that, you know, while I'm happy for him to go and get competitive football, I think he could have got it quicker if he'd taken a lower salary, you know, like we're paying him a lot of money every week to do virtually nothing. Like, so I'm glad to see that he's gone his way to Middlesbrough. Hopefully he can perform well there and get good running games and stuff, but I won't be sad to see him go, to be honest. Yeah, maybe Neil Warnock had just going to put him on a trail to do Jared Branthwaite in when he gets back to Everton because he was uh, he was pissed off for him, wasn't he, last week after that tackle? Yeah, it was mad. It's uh, yeah, she had a total lack of professionalism there. I think like what eighteen year old lad, no, no way he meant to to hurt the fellow. It was obviously just a little bit of inexperience. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a strange one. That I just think with regards to Balassi, much the same as Alan in a way that. He's he puts himself out there, doesn't he? That he's working hard and he's trying hard, and he, he just wants the best for himself and, and for everyone else, which is, is probably true in a way. And, and a footballer deserves to play football at the end of the day. He didn't say what the length of contract was, he didn't say how much money he was on. That was obviously driven by the club. He's just obviously signed the dotted line, as you probably would for that amount of money a week. Um, but in a way, he's collected his wage slip and he, he's been relatively happy to sit there and do. Not much, apart from a couple of tweets every uh, every week. But you don't know. Only he, only he will know how ready and raring he was to play football again. Um, and as you said, the injury itself pushed him back a while, and he's back to fitness. I thought he looked relatively sharp. Actually, was it Blackpool preseason? Yeah. Um, game after that as well, which uh, he, he missed. Oppressed him, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he looked. Yeah, that's probably his level. I think now, especially after the injury, even when he was at Everton, he was so hit and miss. Um, he just never had that final ball, that little bit of quality when you when you need it. So, yeah, I think he'll do well there and probably worked out best for both clubs. Yeah, fingers crossed it works out all right for him. Just uh, stayed on the transfer news topic before we get into the Leicester game. Uh, it looks increasingly like Cheng Tosin's going to be going out the door. Um, not quite sure who to yet. Some stuff about CSKA. Uh, more stuff about Besiktas today coming from Sky, looking like they might want to take him back um, to, to Istanbul. Um, I'll come to you first on this one, Ad, because I think it's—I think we can all probably agree that it'd be good to get him out the door this summer. You know, doesn't really feel like he's got a future. He's another one who needs to play football. He's on big wages. It's, it's pretty clear. I think what the, the interesting thing is is if Everton can't get a replacement in, are you still quite so keen to get him out the door in January? Um, yeah. Definitely keen to get him out the door, regardless of a replacement. However, I think we do need a replacement. But is no replacement better than him still being at the club? Probably. So, yeah, I think in similar fashion to Balassi, in a way, he's, he's doing absolutely nothing to benefit the club. Barring, obviously, the, head, the goal a couple of weeks ago in, in the cup. But, yeah, he isn't the direction that Everton want to be going, um, even as a striker who will play five, ten games a season off the bench. Um, 
The only strange one for me is the likes of Ellis Sims letting him go as well, which obviously shows again that we're not putting our trust in that real youth to, to come through. He obviously likes Richarlison up there, Calvert-Lewin is the main man. Um, but then after that, yeah, you are looking a little bit bare. Whether we can get someone in, it looks like the, the young lad for Bayern will go to Parma. Yeah. Is it? And um, yeah, they might have something up the sleeve, but is it a massive issue? We'll have to wait and see. We could be in six weeks with Dominic Calvert-Lewin out for the rest of the season, crying out for uh, another forward. But I think we'll probably get by. I know that sounds silly to say in a way, but I think we've probably got enough to still compete where we want to be without Jim Tosin or a replacement. Yeah, I think it's the, the optics, isn't it, Alan, as well? Sometimes not having a striker on the bench, it just doesn't look good, does it? it you know, I think it, it sort of gives supporters that, that extra thing to, to moan about. And I, I was, you know, watching the game last night, and obviously Don wasn't having a, a great game. I think the Leicester defenders dealt with him pretty well, really. And you're just sort of watching that thinking, if you've got like a, a moderate striker to come on, he could just run around a little bit and, you know, run into the channels, get us a few free kicks. It, it could make such, such a difference. Yeah, I think that like having two goalkeepers on the bench is never a good look at all, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I think like you know, like Tosin isn't good enough for Everton. That's that's clear. But I think that the way Richardson and Calvert-Lewin play, it's so kind of physical and it's so based on their athleticism that if one of them gets injured, which is pretty likely going into the back end of the season, given the volume of fixtures that we're playing, like. We then say if Cavalier gets injured and Richardson goes up front, then we've no one to play up front after him. You know, like the next option is probably you know Sigurdsson or Hamas is a false nine. So I, I would think that if they do get rid of Tosin this winter, then they'll have somebody lined up to come in, maybe even on a loan deal for six months, someone like maybe Josh King or something. I don't know. Just yeah. uh, I think that like to let him go and not bring in anybody else would be a mistake because I don't think the financial payoff of loaning him out for six months, maybe then paying 75% of his wages is worth not having that emergency striker, especially after loaning out Ellison's and Moise Keane as well. So. Yeah. I suppose it's been a risk reward, isn't it? Because if he if he stays at Everton, the likelihood is he's gonna you know if he starts more than one or two games, you'd be surprised when yeah, his value is going to decrease. He's got less time on his contract and all of a sudden you're not going to get as much for him in, in the summer then. So I don't know about that one. It's uh, one for the business people of the club. And just one final one. I don't know if you, you lads have seen this. It only broke, I think, a couple of hours ago um, from Phil Kirkbride of the Liverpool Echo saying that Everton might be open to to shifting Bernard uh, in this window if he can get a good amount of money for him. Um, but if he does stay, he might be open to the prospect of Anthony Gordon going out on loan. And I suppose he, he's somebody you'd look at and say, could, you know, if, if we're looking for an emergency forward, he could potentially do that. He's done it for the under-23, so he could potentially be another striking option out the door. Um, what do you think? Adam, I'll come to you first, because you, you sort of grimaced at the prospect of uh, of Gordon going out on loan there. Um, I think it's actually the opposite. You know, I think I'm, I'm more grimaced at the, yeah. the idea of Anthony Gordon playing up front for Everton. I think as much as he looks like an incredible talent and he's done very, very well for the under-23s and, and done very well to break into the first team, just doesn't come across as ready. Um, and he definitely doesn't come across as ready to lead the line for Everton. Um, I think physically, I think physically and, and, and from an experience point of view, he will get there. But I, th- I think you see a lot of young talent, especially forward players, come into a Premier League side and they just get bullied by, not necessarily just physically bullied, they just get outthought by teams who are set up to deal with that type of player. Um, 
On the other hand, the likes of Bernard, I think I probably would pick Bernard to go to lead the club over, over Gordon, pure and simply because I think Andy Gordon still offers more than Bernard in a flexibility aspect, as in Bernard probably have a few players quite similar to him, the likes of Sigurdsson, the likes of Iwobi, mm. albeit the likes of Hammers um, in, in total different level of quality, but that type of player, cute, likes the ball into the feet, likes to turn on it. Um, you'll very rarely get them banging in goals 10, 15 a season because it's not their way, the creators, whereas I think Andy Gordon does have that ability and will have that ability in years to come to score a lot of goals. Um, but at the same time, it just depends once again on, on what the businessmen of Event are thinking because he wants to get as many out as possible brands and it, it's, it's very clear and I think we're all in agreement that that is the right thing to do. But once again, if he does say, right, Bernard's gone, Tosin's gone, um, Andy Gordon could possibly get be, be another one to go out on loan if, if they get the right offer or he wants to and, and go get a little bit of experience with it, which I think he does actually. I think he, him going out on loan is probably a really good move for him, whether it is just for the end of the season or for a year. Then you do start to look really bare, especially for, well, apart from maybe Tottenham, if we get through them, we've got another chance at a cup there. Yeah. A bigger squad for him. We look bare as it was yesterday. As Alan said, two goalkeepers on, on the bench. It's not, not how Everton should be uh, picking a squad. And yeah, if you let two or three of those other lads who were on the bench last night go, then you start having four or five goalkeepers on the bench. Yeah, maybe he's thinking Robin Olsen, emergency striker. He's, ma- he's <laughs> massive. He's massive to be fair, isn't he? You know, yeah. go full Stuart Pearce with David James, and maybe be, be Dunk come out of retirement or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'd, I'd actually, I'd actually rather have <laughs> top over Tosson. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, just just the final thing on, on Gordon. Really, I think sometimes Alan, it feels like. I think like defenders, when you send them out on loan, there's a lot less risk than, than when it comes to precocious, you know, attacking players, you know. I think mm. with Branthwaite, you know, you can sort of put, you could imagine them going to any team in the championship and doing well because you're not going to get many sides who, you know, split the centre-backs wide or play in all these mad defensive systems. It's very much, you play in a back four, you've got to defend properly and do your job in that sense. Whereas there's a bit more flexibility when it comes to, to attacking players. And we've seen people like Kieran Dahl go to Middlesbrough and do well and then, Fourth out of a changing manager and a changing system. It's uh, I just don't know if it feels like the right time for, for Gordon to, to go yet. I don't know where you stand on it. Um, I just think for defensive players like Brantwaite, like I think Brantwaite, if you heard the Christmas message um, over Christmas, I didn't really, it's such a strong accent. He's really kind of like, he's a real boy, like, you know, so yeah, I'd say he'd be yeah. well able for the championship. And I think also with defensive players, when they're on loan at lower league clubs, it's more about not performing badly. And yeah. gaining experience, whereas when you're a young attacker like Anthony Gordon, who's known for his flair, who's who's highly touted, then he, he's going to have a target in his back, and fans will expect him to perform at a really high level and do amazing things, while defenders will simultaneously be gunning for him. So I think it's much more precarious system for a forward player, as you mentioned. But I think that especially when you're a scouser playing for Everton, there's such a spotlight on you. It can be very very difficult to grow in that area, and you're actually better off going away for a while. Because I think, like, for instance, you know, Tom Davies, like, we've seen the extremity of opinion around him ever since he came through. One week, we're touting him to be the next, you know, Ross Barkley or Wayne Rooney, and the next week, he's, you know, utterly useless. Like, whereas <laughs> in reality, he's somewhere in between. He's neither a god or a, a, a devil, you know what I mean? Like, he's kind of, 
like he's a good player, like with good potential. We saw it last night, for instance, but yeah. I don't think he's going to be like, you know, the next Ben Rooney. But the point is that I think while there's a risk in letting players go away for a while and maybe having a bad experience, I think that it could be good for their growth to have a time away from Liverpool, away from the spotlight of Everton and kind of playing in a new environment at a lower club with lower expectations, you know. So I think it's kind of like, like everything is a trade-off, isn't it, like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got five days left in the window yet, so we'll, we'll wait and see. I'm sure there'll be plenty more going on in that sense. We'll get a transfer show or two in before the deadline shuts. Uh, but yeah, let's have a chat about last night's game then. Um, as I sort of intimated on Twitter before, lots of arguments in the Blue Room WhatsApp group this morning. Uh, unfortunately, Dave couldn't be here to fight his corner tonight. Maybe just, maybe just, you know, wasn't so... Cookie wants to be a professional wrestler. I'm Cookie Serratos and I'm 11 years old. She also wants to win all the medals. That's why Cookie and her family make every day count, squeezing out her best with Go-Go Squeeze. Okay, Cookie, let's break for a Go-Go Squeeze. Go-Go Squeeze fruit-on-the-go pouches are a nutritious snack made from 100% fruit with no sugar added. Go, Cookie! Because when you nurture your kids, you squeeze out the best in them. Squeeze out their best with Go-Go Squeeze. Not a low-calorie food. Products range from 11 to 13 grams of sugar and 60 to 70 calories per serving. Convinced about his points, they thought, I'm going to jip this off because the lads are right. But uh, Adam, I'll, I'll come to you on it mate to start off um what, what do you reckon you, you, you sat here today almost 24 hours on happy with a point after that game yeah I think I am um to be fair straight after the game I said I'll, I'll actually take that on the basis that we beat Newcastle on the weekend um I think I, I said to one of the lads the other day would you take a draw to know you beat Newcastle or you don't know either um and we both actually said the way we've been playing and probably just give us both a free hit at, the, at either of those games because I feel like we can beat Leicester and I think obviously we should beat Newcastle. However, no real midfield yesterday or no, not our first choice midfield anyway. We massively missed Decore and I think if you put him in for either of those lads who played last night, probably win the game actually. Um, either we see it out or... We've got that drive from midfield just to get us up the pitch in that second half when the going does get tough and we could nick a goal. But then again, we should have nicked a goal anyway. Um, we actually had two or three. Yeah. The Calvert-Lewin header, I think, is probably his only chance the game. And if he'd had one 10 minutes before, he probably puts the second one in because it, he just, it comes at him and he's very cold. I think the same with Richarlison from, from the corner. Um, the Gomez one, I think, is really unlucky. It bounces up at him. Maybe anyone else with a little bit of agility can get the head down or get the leg up. But on the basis of that that first half an hour, first 20 minutes, and then second half up until they scored, really, um, I think we were lucky to get away with just conceding one, albeit the goal we do concede, I don't think we should. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm happy with the draw, as I say, but we need three points uh, on Saturday and, and it starts to look like a good point then. You the same, Alan, point gained, would you say? Yeah, well, I was covering the, the Barca match, as I said, so I didn't watch it live, but I was getting like reports off my brothers and my dad and stuff, and also on, on Twitter too. So I was kind of intrigued because I watched it today then, like in, in full, and I watched it with the knowledge that some people were happy with it and some people were furious about it, you know? So I was kind of like intrigued watching it, but I thought like the first half was, was good, I thought. I thought that, you know, if you try and attack Leicester, like say Chelsea did during the week, for instance, they'll tear yeah. you to pieces because they're a really good counter-attacking team and they're really, really clever and stuff. So I thought that, you know, I think Ancelotti set the team up not trusting Davies and uh, Gomez to kind of control the midfield at all. 
So the whole point was to kind of keep the spaces between the lines at a minimum. You know, I think that was good in the first half. It worked very well. But then I thought in the second half, there was no, like, it was always going to be a situation where we were under pressure and there were kind of raining shots on goal and getting loads of corners and all that kind of thing. And there was no kind of like taking control of the game at all. I would have liked to have seen them in the second half kind of assert themselves a bit more and remind Leicester that you're, this is an attack versus defence. We are here as well. Do you know, I don't think yeah. we saw that at all. So like before the game, I would have taken a point because I think that if you lost that game, you lose a lot of momentum. But watching the way the game unfolded, I was disappointed they didn't hold on. But then at the same time, their only real chance was the Pickford error. You know, like aside from that, they really didn't threaten at all. Like, so if Pickford hadn't made that error and if we'd be more lucky with the Calvert-Lewin chance, the Gomez chance, as uh, Adam said, then we'd be sitting here today, possibly with a 2-0, 2-0 victory, you know, or a 2-1 victory. And we'd be delighted. Like, so I don't know. I think it all depends on Saturday, as Adam said. Yeah, I think it's, we, I suppose we had two difference makers on the pitch, didn't we, last night? And they made a difference in very different ways. We'll start with the... <laughs> The positive one first, and sort of mentioned it at the start, but you know that 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 goal from Rodriguez is just it's it's a dream for strike, isn't it? And Alan, I, I think I don't know if you, you heard the post match, but I think Mark Mosey summed it up really well when he said, "When Hammers gets it on his right foot, you sort of sit back in your chair and think, oh, he's not gonna he's not gonna do anything here.'" And then he just whips an unbelievable shot into the the far corner. But um, just another one of those moments, I think, where you you sort of reflect on it and you sat there in the the glow of a goal afterwards thinking, how on earth have we got this lad wearing the Royal Blue? <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous, to be honest. Like, I mean, because watching the goal again, like, to, cause to be fair to Pickford, like, I thought he played well for the game aside from that error. And if you actually watch the goal, he actually created that goal because he launched the long ball down the pitch to Dinia, who played uh, Hammers. And then when Hammers had the initial shot, the way it bounced... If you actually watch it before it bounces off Tielemans, I think it was, James like pounces on the ball. So he's like properly live to the opportunity. So then when he catches it and scores with his right foot like that, it was a stunning. Like I think it was uh, Robbie Savage said it was he scored 19 goals inside the box in his career, in, in his club career. And that was the first one with his right foot. So it was uh, it was phenomenal, to be honest. Yeah, really yeah. phenomenal. You ever hit one like that with your weaker foot, Ad? Um, no. <laughs> left foot or nothing for me and I think that's, that's the thing isn't it it's like, oh you're a, le- you're a left footer as well are you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm uh, yeah not as good as him on the left and definitely <laughs> not as good as him on the right um, but yeah it was just incredible it's one of those where picture book goal it, the, the the really sad thing for me and I say this to me dad all the time every time we watch him we just haven't seen him live which is is crazy and you can just imagine I'm, I'm probably right behind that where I sit in, in the park end um, and you just like those moments you, you really really find yourself getting excited but upset at the same time I love watching Everton on the telly and probably I'd, I'd still love watching Everton on the telly if there was a crowd there even if I wasn't in it um, but yeah it's just these moments that we just want to get back into the ground and see and a player like him uh, yeah we're absolutely lucky I, I nearly said you can see why we paid the money but we didn't pay anything so <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know, you know, either of you here, I, I don't know if you, you thought as well, he looked a bit, it's probably the fittest I've seen him look in terms of off the ball as well, you know, I think when he was at, at Madrid, you know, certainly early on, I never really looked at him and thought he's a player who doesn't want to muck in defensively, he was quite, you know, he's, he, he charged around, he's not a great defender, but he tries, bless him, and it, it felt like there was, there was a bit more of that in his game last night. Yeah, I think that that's, that's him and Ancelotti, to be fair, I think that's a relationship and 
there was one stage I think he got booked and he, he seemed to lose his head temporarily and, and someone gave him a shout or because you can obviously hear it on the telly someone gave him a shout to get back in and then about 10 seconds later he put about two or three tackles in one he went sliding in which worried me the second one he got in the way of, of a pass or something and yeah, I just think it's when when you're instilled with that confidence from a manager, from a team who basically building themselves around you and, and really wanting you to succeed as a player where you may not have been succeeding in the past couple of years, it, it must give them loads of confidence and it pushes you on that extra five, ten minutes. And yeah, he looks he looks a lot fitter and he looks a lot happier, which is what you need in a player like that. He, he breeds off confidence and, and if his if his head goes down, he. he he can be worse than a lot of the other players on that pitch, no matter what quality he's got. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing to see that he's really, really settling in and, and so quickly, which which has surprised me massively. Hmm. He, he does seem to be coming to the boil at the right time for us, doesn't he, Alan? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think like he's going to be a player who has kind of runs of really, really good form and then maybe steps out for a bit. But I think, like Adam said, like Ancelotti really is kind of bringing him into the team really well. And I think, you know, in the pressing game last night, for instance, if like Cavaloon worked really well and he was kind of giving him orders and stuff and where to press and how to press and they were kind of working in tandem. But I think as well, like, I remember he was standing over a free kick at one point and it was him and Lucas Dean. And I was kind of thinking, like, we almost think as Evertonians that, you know, we're lucky to have him and we are lucky to have him, of course, but there are other top-class players in the team, like Richardson, Lucas Dean, you know, Yeri Mina, guys who he really respects as an individual player, no matter where, what club they're playing for, you know? And then you have the likes of Andre Gomez, of course, who came from Barcelona. So, like, I think that he's content where he is because he's the main man, but he's not playing with, you know, Mullikers either. Like, he's playing with good international players. So I think he's kind of, he appreci- appreciates where he is but he also appreciates how he's being held in esteem by the fans, you know, so it's a nice combination. Yeah, I think he's fully bought into it as well, which is is great. You know, he seems to be working hard, seems to be fully involved in all the celebrations and stuff when we score, so that, that is absolutely fantastic to see. And the other difference maker, unfortunately, was was Jordan Pickford, who we've, we briefly mentioned. Um, three mistakes, really, wasn't there, in, in that goal? You know, the, the knocking it out for a corner, flapping at the, the corner that came in, and then the, the attempt at the save, and... Do you know what? I, I was thinking about this the other day and how he's probably gone 10, 12 games without making a, a, a really bad mistake. And I was thinking, you know, if he does make a mistake, maybe don't want to go in too hard on him because he's, he's strung a, a good run together. But I think w- when you live them and you, you feel them like that on a, an important game, it's it, it's hard not to, to get frustrated. But Alan, I'll, I'll come to you first on, on Jordan, mate. Um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I've seen a lot of people saying, get him straight out the side for, for Robin Olsen for the game on, on Saturday. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to go in too hard on him because I think what we've seen this season is that there's been players that have had positive stories of redemption under the Carlo Angelotti. You know, I'm thinking of Yeri Mina, Michael Keane, uh, Alex Awobi certainly have, have all made massive strides. And I'm hoping Jordan Pickford can do that. And but it just feels as though he's got to go another 10 games now about making a mistake before we can say, right, that there's a solid bank of goalkeeping. Yeah, well, I mean, I have Liverpool fans on to me all the time whenever he makes a mistake and they're always telling me, you know, he's absolutely shocking. You should get rid. And I'm like, he's actually a very good goalkeeper. He just has this thing in him where he makes an absolute clangor every once in a while. Do you know, and I think that's never going to be taken from his game because it's nothing to do with coaching. It's nothing to do with his ability. It's purely to do with mentality. And he always has it in him. You know, he always will, as far as I'm concerned. I think that, like, the good things he does makes it worthwhile to persist with him for now. 
until we have a really good keeper coming in to compete with them. I don't think Olsen is a better goalkeeper than Pickford. I think he's maybe more reliable, but I think Pickford could actually win you more points than Olsen, if that makes sense, based on his distribution for the goal. Don't forget, that was basically a pre-assist. Hmm. And also, his shot-stopping is quite good normally. Of course, that was unforgivable. But I just think that, you know, until we have a proper top-class goalkeeper coming in, there's not many I would prefer to bring into the club ahead of him, if that makes sense. Like, he is England number one still. Like, Gareth Southgate and Carlo Ancelotti both pick him. If Ancelotti wanted to, he could have brought in a goalkeeper last summer. He didn't, you know? So... Hmm. They see something in him that's worth persisting with. But I don't think he'll ever be a top-class goalkeeper. He'll never be the best in the world or one of the best in the world because he's too many errors in his game for me. Adam, what about you, mate? Uh, I see I've defended him numerous times. I think it was on a pod with you, Matt, and you did the lads, and I was defending him in a way that he shouldn't be called out of a, out of a team for... I think it was the Liverpool one, actually. And to get him out of that spotlight was was probably the right thing to do but I my opinion of it was that shouldn't have to be the case because these professionals shouldn't need to be taken away from their job to get better at their job when they return but he did uh, Ancelotti and obviously brought Olsen into the side and I think it was a little bit more trust-wise that he's brought him in for Premier League games it was the Newcastle one um, and he's happy just to see Pickford drop out and have a, a rest or have a little bit of, of time to, to think about his performances and think about his form. And yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm still so split in a way that I, I think he is a good keeper, but he just, there's something about him. And, and as Alan said, it's not coaching. It's not how you teach him to be a keeper because he, he's fantastic technically. His, his distribution is incredible. I think that's probably one of the main reasons why he's still in, in both England and the Everton team, by the way, because I don't think any other keeper can play in this modern way of passing out literally from the back, whether it is to two centre-halves, pinging it to your left-back, right-back, or fizzing it into your defensive midfielder. I just think he, he wants, he, he seems, and, and yesterday was a perfect example, it seems that when he comes out and flaps at things, when he's like jumping in the air, and, and it's like stupidity, it's, it's like he jitters around and he gets excited that there could be some form of, you know, highlight reel or compilation on match of the day of like a mad triple save or he flicks onto the bar and it comes down and he he's in the end. He, he likes being centre of attention, but I don't think he's like an arrogant fella. I think he's just got a way about him that he he, he wants to do something really good. Yeah. And being a goalkeeper, the best thing you can do is have no one talk about you. I think that's where Robin Olsen has been brilliant. Every time he plays, no one mentions his performance because the performance doesn't warrant any criticism or any praise. Obviously, he's made some good saves, as he should. I think with Jordan Pickford, he's either brilliant or dreadful, and that's worrying. And the brilliance is obviously fantastic, as I say, his distribution being probably the top of that list. And he is a very good goalkeeper, but the, the dreadful, almost like, it's like hyperactive way that he... It feels like that, like last night, like that that first mistake is like the trigger for the next two. You, know, you, you can sort of sort of feel it. Like when he makes that first one, you can imagine his head going, "Ah, I shouldn't have, let, I shouldn't have touched that. That could yeah. have been a goal kick." And like the gears start going in his head then, and it's like, it's too hard. yeah, yeah. In a way, it's quite similar to what Richarlison's doing at the moment, and he's trying very, very hard to play very yeah. well. 
or if he does something bad, then he tries to make up for it, and it's it's actually probably going to have an adverse effect. You need to calm down and and then get yourself back into the game and maybe forgive it for a Charleston as he's what a couple of years younger than him. Jordan Pickford is a World Cup semi-finalist. He's played numerous amounts of games as a number one for club and country. And it seems to be that that is that childish way of responding to adversity that he, he goes over the top to try and, oh, wait a minute, I'll sort it. And, and it's wrong and it, it's, it's worrying. And it's not just a keeper with a mistake in him now. It's a keeper who teams know are going to give them something and it gets into, I imagine, some of our defensive uh, organisation and yeah, the way that our team will look at the keeper. They just think something's coming here and it bounces around the box. And uh, as you say, the flap at, at the corner, the one where he tips around the post. It, it, yeah, it, it's just not good. I thought for 10 games, we haven't had this conversation and it's can you take the rough with the smooth? Can you do 10 games of not mentioning Jordan Pickford's name and then two or three of really worrying whether he can go on as a, as a keeper at this club. Well, I suppose that's the, that's the downside, isn't it? When you've had so many mistakes, you know, you, you need to put together such a good run before that sort of offsets the, the next one. So you can go, well, you know, he's, he's had, you know, how many games to say is enough to go, well, he's had 15 games and he's played well, 20 games, you know, a whole season. You know, if, if he went that far, you're probably looking at him now, be had a, a you know, pretty mundane into the campaign. And started the next one of a mistake. People would be harking back to this one in this season. So it's different. What was that? Sorry, mate. He's made his bed in a way. It's, yeah. it's like people people will never and the critics, the, the Everton Dars and the Everton haters will not change their opinion because it gets to Evertonians because it's kind of true. And, yeah. and we can see that. And it's it's hard to defend him actually as much as we want him. Yeah. Go on, I'll I sorry. Think, I think also like, you know. Like, like, like Alan said, he doesn't help himself. Like, the stuff like neck and point of the darts. Like, if you do stuff like that, you cannot mess up. Like, you have to be on points when, you, when it comes to match day, you know? Like, it's fine to do that, but you can't. You have to be performing if you do that, you know? So, if he was kind of a humble character who was kind of like, you know, if you could see it visibly hurts him to make mistakes, which it does, then you'd be kind of going, okay, you know, should God love him? Like, hopefully he can improve next time. But his personality is so kind of bombastic. Like I'll never forget yeah. the Newcastle game two seasons ago. I think it was like that, like that for me encapsulates him completely. Like he was completely, you know, as Frank Lampard would say, he was giving it the big one, like, and then, <laughs> and then he just blew, he blew it the whole thing. He's like, nah, you know? So I don't know. I just think it's part of his personality, to be honest. Like, I think he's that kind of like, like Adam said, he wants to be the center of attention at all times. Like, And also I think the, the Van Dyke incident means that the media will come down on him at every chance they get. You know, but, so yeah. he's always going to have a high, heightened scrutiny on him. There's there's a case of that in the first half last night actually, where he, he you know he sort of got criticised for diving to save a shot. Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store; it's a problem solver's paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers. Problem solved. Northern Tool and Equipment Summer Sale is on now. Stop in and save up to 50% on pressure washers, sprayers, generators, fans, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Hundreds of deals in store or at northerntool.com. Which went over. It's like, well, well of course he's going to try. You know, he's, he's not going to stand there and let a shot that clip the top of the bar go over without anything. But yeah, it just, 
you know, you look at some of the best goalkeepers around, and I think the fellow they got across the park, great. You know, he, he makes mistakes, Allison, but when he makes a mistake, it's almost like he flicks a switch in his head and goes back to neutral. And he's just going to keep playing, as you know, as he does. Is that you know that 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 goalkeeper that is aggressive, that makes mistakes occasionally, but more often than not, makes really good decisions and, and good saves. And and Pickford doesn't really seem like he's able to to do that yet to get back into that neutral zone. He's too he's too much of a human being, I think. Jordan Pickford. <laughs> yeah. Like, and there's a few of them at Everton actually, which in a way is amazing because you want to feel some form of affinity to to the. The players that you spend hours on end watching and, and wanting to do well, but as you say, like Allison and I think Edison to a, to a degree, and, and there's many other goalkeepers around the world that you don't even see them happy when you win. I think I've seen once Allison celebrate a goal. I can't remember when it was, but it seems that, and I've seen it a few times actually with the likes of some Liverpool players, especially the City lads as well. It's it's normal to them. Everything's normal. Winning the Champions League, winning the Premier League is, is normal. Um, and it's not normal for any of our players because it shouldn't be normal. However, you can't be a top quality footballer and have a top quality personality, I feel, in the modern day. And it's quite sad, actually, because you have to just shut everything else out. Yeah. You have to be able to make a mistake and, and ignore it. You have to be able to listen to criticism and ignore it. And mm. yeah, it, it's, it's a strange one, really, because... You can't have both sides of it. Um, And you see those lads, the likes in the interviews, you can see those who have got a bit. It's usually sometimes lads who come up from the lower league. I saw a Mikel Antonio interview the other day, and he's just a real fella. He talks very well. He doesn't have this media training, which is very robotic. And Madison was like that, wasn't he, the other day? Yeah. 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 And and it's, it's refreshing, actually, to see because they speak very well, and you think, I can relate to you not on a, a ability basis, but I can rate to you as, as a fella who's just living a dream. Um, whereas you get the other ones who just say the same thing every interview and you don't even have to watch it to know what they've said. And do we want either? I think we'd probably, as, as fans, look to the robots, but at the same time, as, as fellas who enjoy watching football, you want a bit of personality, don't you? So Yeah, there is so much buzz around it. I mean, there's, there's, you get idiots on podcasts, don't you? Saying all sorts about these players who are elite in the sport, making mistakes. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, we, we've had a we've had a few questions. Uh, Alan, I'm, I'm glad you're on for this one, mate, because um, I wouldn't have a clue. Uh, but Liv and Veda said on a lighter note, did anyone notice our new signings, Andre Gomes and Richarlison, uh, as they were being pronounced on BT last night? As a, as a man who can speak Spanish and Portuguese, uh, what, are the, what are the, were they the correct pronunciations? The Gomez one was, in fairness, it was actually, that's what they say in European Portuguese, Gomez, Gomez, I mean. But, um, like, I just think it's one of those things that it's like, even if it's correct, like, I don't know, in Ireland, for instance, like, you just, it's just kind of, it's like frowned upon to do that kind of thing, you know? It's like, if I, <laughs> if I, if I, if I was back home, for instance, like, you know, having a few points with the lads and I started calling Andre Gomez, Andre Gomez, I get like kicked out, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not the done thing. Like, so while, while he's technically correct, like, I don't know. But then with, with, with the Richarison, it's actually slightly different because in Brazilian Portuguese, the R is like H. So it's actually like Richarison. Do you know what I mean? So slightly different. Uh, okay. Whereas he was like Richarlison. I don't know. It'd be strange. Uh, like, but uh, but I kind of I don't want to criticize the guy because like you know obviously he took care to prepare and try and learn the correct pronunciations. But I just think like I think the Scouse humor is close to the Irish humor, especially the Cork humor. So I feel like it would be the same situation in Liverpool as it is to Cork, you know, whereas like you just don't do that kind of thing. 
Yeah, I think there'll be a bit of who do you think you are? If, if <laughs> oh, you any, any of us walked into the booth and start pronouncing those names. <laughs> like, well, the, uh, the, the mad thing is, yeah. like, you would say to your mate, like, listen, stop it, because just say the name of everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, like, if I say James Rodriguez, someone will have me for not pronouncing it in the way that it should be pronounced. So it's that you can't win. Um, but, but actually, that's funny because. Um, I remember, like, I have some Spanish mates who, are, who follow the Premier League as well really closely. And they find it so funny that we call James, James, because he said, like, they said to me, it's like, his name is James. Like, the reason it's James is because we pronounce it as James because we can't say James. <laughs> it's funny that you say James when his name is James. It's an English name. It's not a Spanish name. It's actually, a complete comeback thing, you know? Hasn't he actually said that it's pronounced James, though? I'm sure I've seen that somewhere. I don't know, but, but that's because the Spanish people can't say James, like, because it's not in their, like, they can't say it, like, because the J is kind of a weird thing in Spanish, like, so, yeah. I don't know, but that's what they said to me anyway, maybe he pronounced it differently, but in Spain, they find it hilarious, like. J is like a H, isn't it, in Spanish? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Say educational, uh, <laughs> in that sense. Uh, just a, a couple of more questions before we, we wrap up. Um, Ian Clark has said, do you think, guys, do you, start again, do you guys think, Richarlison or Richarlison or whatever. Uh, I don't know anything anymore. Some of these lads from South America uh, could be rested for a Wobi on Saturday, especially if Carlo accommodates Dina by playing Richarlison on the right. Uh, didn't have a great game last night, Ad, to be fair. Richarlison um, looks frustrated, posted that very somber photo of himself with an unhappy face after the game. Um, I don't know, I'd, I'd still be starting for this one, I think. I don't, I don't think it's quite got to the point where we should be taking him off the side. If it sort of feels like he's earned or, you know, he's earned the right and the trust to be able to play himself through this bad run of form. Yeah, I think him, him as a player deserves to play in a team that he might not be performing to the best of his ability in because, as you say, he, he's done so much for us that he's going to have a, a run of bad form. If anything, I'd probably... I'd probably play him over Hammers on the weekend just to probably suit their capabilities or lack of capabilities in that Newcastle side because actually the physical, they give you a kick and, and it's probably a game where I think Iwobi and Richarlison on either wing um, and maybe Sigurdsson in a 10 could actually work really well for us. And it's, we don't, as much as it sounds stupid me saying that Hammers Rodriguez shouldn't play every single game Revan, I think using him sparingly is probably where we're going to get the best out of him. Um, I could be totally wrong, and I hope I'm totally wrong, but I think we mentioned it previously. It's like he won't play 38 games in a season and play well in all of them. He'll actually play in 15 to 20 and play amazing in them. If we if we use him all the time and use him in systems that might not really suit him, then he could find himself getting frustrated and I think with Richarlison it's the opposite his frustration is needed and he's that type of player he lives on the frustration and you can see his emotion and, and that's why we love him because he, he pulls and, and pushes through it every time um, that's not me picking the side for the weekend but <laughs> the original point that I think Richarlison he should play through a bad patch because that's him as a player um, and when he does score and when he does have a good game it'll feel so much sweeter for all of us yeah, be a big shout dropping Hamez after that goal, mate. I'm sure, I'm sure, everyone, I'm sure everyone will take that really well on Twitter on Saturday at 11 30. Everyone would be everyone would be fine with him, with him not playing. And yeah. the thing about Richarlison, Alan, is that you know, even last night, he had a poor game, he contributed, didn't he? Defensively, he was fantastic. Won a lot of headers from corners, and 
you know, at the moment, he's having to do a, more of a, a job for the team um, from a defensive point of view. But it's not like we're looking at a player here and saying he's anonymous in these football matches. He's still co- contributing something positive. Yeah, totally. Like, he's always going to work hard. There's no doubt about it, you know. And I think that, like, I never drop him on form because I just think that, he, as you said, he contributes so much to the team off the ball in terms of his work rate and also in terms of the problems he causes for other players you know like i've said it many times in, on this pod like i think that him in the team makes hammers better because it distracts the defense and it kind of draws attention away from hammers it gives hammers the space to operate in but i think it's only a matter of fitness really i think if maybe Ancelotti feels like he's a bit burnt out or something then he might give him a rest same with hammers but i don't think it'll be based on form i think they're both good enough to play through a bad run of form it's solely dependent on fitness for me yeah, uh, just finally then before we wrap up our team at the weekend, Adam's already picked off of it with Hamez on the bench. Um, <laughs> it's it's got to be more attacking though, hasn't it, mate? In, in all seriousness, you know, you'd like to think Luca Dean goes to left back again. Maybe Coleman comes in at right back, and I think Newcastle's confidence is just so fragile at the moment. You've got to be all over these early on and try and kill the game quickly. Yeah. I think most definitely, and our ability to probably change approach for different teams. Is really refreshing actually watching watching the sides and the likes of Richarlison and, and especially Dominic Calvert-Lewin last night when we sit in that low block of two banks of four their impact on the game is, is totally nullified and, and we've got to be able to understand that and I think on the weekend you'll see more of a true Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin performance because it, it suits them that attacking football and getting at a team which are fragile Um and as you say, the likes of Luca Dean coming back in and, and maybe more of just a true Carlo Ancelotti chosen team to play how we want to play rather than maybe combating an opposition's way of playing when we are, uh, yeah, maybe down a couple of players who would be in the starting 11. I think Decore coming in in the midfield for either of them, that Davis or, or Gomez and or Gomez, sorry, um, I think will make <laughs> Make, make a massive impact and uh, yeah we've got to play our game on the weekend and not play against their game yeah um, I think as, as well it's you know one of those games where everyone's people are a little bit frustrated about about what happened on Wednesday night and you know it's obviously important but I think if we if we win this we go into the top four having still got games in hand on some of the sides above us and haven't played the same amount of games as the other sides in there so it could set us up lovely for that weekend, couldn't it? Where you sort of sat back and watching everybody else's results coming in, knowing that we've uh, got the job done. It would, but like as an Evertonian who's never seen us with a trophy, I immediately think of the negative things, you know. So I mean, <laughs> of having the whole weekend of not wanting to watch any English football because you're just you're just fed up with uh, all things Everton. Like, but I just think that, um, like, I saw recently somebody was saying that you know games in hand are actually like. The worst thing in the world because every fan thinks that two games in hand equals six points <laughs> that's not true at all in reality you know yeah. but i just think with everton like it's been all around the kind of dialogue around this game the Leicester game that it's all dependent on saturday and the fact that we're afraid going into saturday and i am afraid going into saturday against a horrible team but the, the worst team in the league at the moment the worst team in the league they've what they've lost to leeds villa arsenal twice sheffield and leicester on the bounce, like, you know, in the cup and the league. Like, we should be winning that every day of the week with the squad we have. I'd love to see Hamas play off Cavalier and then Iwobi and Richardson either either wing, and then maybe Gomez and Decore in the middle. And then, as you said, Coleman, Dine, both fullbacks, Keane, Mina, Pickford. 
I think we should beat them every day of the week. But it would be pure Everton to to go and draw or yeah. fail to win. Do you know, it would be typical Everton. Like we yeah. are the team that people end streaks against. Don't forget that. Like, yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be another little small sign if we won this one. The things are gradually beginning to change, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah. But yeah, lads. Uh, Thanks very much for coming on as ever. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for commenting on YouTube as well. If you watched us live, if you listen to the podcast there, leave us a rating and a review. And if you want more from us, uh, come and join Blue Room Extra over on Patreon. It's about a pound a week. Multiple Everton shows every single weekday, analysing and building up to all of our football matches. And there are a lot of football matches going on at the moment. Uh, just one, one other thing, actually, before we do wrap up. Alan, I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, that Sevilla goal last night, is that, oh, yeah. is that, is that the goal of the season? For me, it is anyway. I think it's ridiculous. Like, it was just absolutely ridiculous. It's the way they tore him apart, you know? So was it about 25, 30 pass move? I think it was 32 passes. Don't, I'm not sure, but I think it was about 32 passes. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, And the funny thing was, Rakitic, even Rakitic scored a goal as well. That was phenomenal too. The third goal. That was the second goal. And he basically just a little dink from outside the box. That's worth looking up as well. But, uh, but yeah, like Sevilla are a very, very good team. They've just signed Papa Gomez from uh, Atlanta. Which add another dimension to the team, you know. Like they're they're really strong, and they're the dark horse of the season, I think, to really kind of do something in La Liga. So we'll see. Is that the, the Gomez who has has been at Atalanta for years? Yeah, yeah, since yeah. 20, I thought, 2016, I think. Yeah. Oh right, okay. It seems like he's been like their one club man for forever. I remember him ripping us to shreds a couple of times, hasn't he? So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's a fantastic player. I've seen that goal myself, and it's just. Mad to watch, the, the Blues will be repeating that on Saturday, lads. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, 40 pass move resulting in a Hamas Rodriguez screamer. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, thanks for watching, thanks for listening. Uh, that's been your weekly show. We'll speak to you again very soon. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.